0: I spent the last 10 years teaching corporate America leadership and teamwork. Now, I've left my 9-to-5 job to help as many people as possible become leaders in their work and personal lives. Some say leaders are born, but I say they're built. This podcast is the beginning of my mission to create change on a massive scale. Join me and follow along as we explore leadership, teamwork, and growth together. My name is Brian Rolo. And this is lead with impact. Hi there and welcome to lead with impact. I am Brian and I am happy to have you with me today. In today's episode, we will be speaking to Barack Kassar. Barack is the co-founder of a company called BKW partners. And that is a San Francisco based creative communications agency that offers branding, designing, and marketing. Before that, he has founded several other companies, including Rossock Experience, which merged into BKW, Inbox TV, which was a pre-YouTube online video provider, and he was the VP of Marketing for Chow.com, which was acquired by CNET and CBS, and he was also an early marketing employee at Wink Communications, which was acquired by Liberty Media. So a lot of business experience, and Barack is going to tell us about that. But primarily, he's going to tell us about his career growth, a lot about branding, including personal branding, which I think is going to be really valuable for you and a lot of our audience to listen to, because so many of the people I talk to are interested in personal branding and also storytelling. How do we tell our individual stories to engage people and bring them into what we do? So those are the things that I'm excited to speak to Barack about. So... Let's meet Barack. And we are fortunate today to be joined by Barack Kassar of BKW Partners. Thank you so much for joining us, Barack.
1: Thank you, it's exciting to be
0: on your show. Well, we are happy to have you and to learn about what you do and your message. So can you start off by telling us how you help people?
1: Sure, so we our firm is based in San Francisco, but we actually work all around the world. Uh, we, and uh, we help our clients who tend to be leaders at either startups or large companies. Often they're entrepreneurial leaders within a large company. They, they run a, a group and uh, we help them identify what really makes them stand out, what makes their product, their company, their group, their mission stand out. And, and in a way, stand out in a way that will resonate with the audience that matters most to them. So I often say to people, it's easy. You know, if you want your company to stand out because everyone wears yellow sneakers, that's great. I, there probably is no other company in the world where everyone wears yellow sneakers. But if your customers don't care about that, like if that is of zero value to your customers, then you better find something else to stand out about. So
0: what made you want to start out on this journey?
1: Well, I, the journey kind of chose me in many ways, but I just had to remind myself at times to, to really stay on it. So I, in college, I was a terrible, a thousand years ago, I was a terrible student, but I was a really, I liked to write a lot. And I, um, I would write for the college paper. I'd write for underground papers. I was lucky enough to get an internship at the Columbia Journalism Review, which is part of the Columbia School of Journalism in New York. And so I did that. And uh, and my first job after school was as a reporter on a community, you know, for an editor for a group of community newspapers around Washington D.C. and. I really loved that. I loved everything I learned there about, I loved interviewing people. I loved coming up with headlines. I loved coming up with a with a lead, the first part of the story. I learned early on about not burying the lead, which is a journalism, you know, jargon for, you know, which happens a lot with our clients too. People tend to put the most important thing, like three paragraphs in. And one way we really help them is to just bring that most important thing to the headline and to the first sentence. Uh, So I loved all that, but then I ended up going to business school and I think I kind of got a little bit off track. It all worked out in the end, but I did get a little bit off track and I uh, um, ended up managing marketing communications in some companies and it was amazing, I really liked it. But around age 40, I'm 50, I never remember. I'm either 51 or 52 now. (laughs) But around age 40, I was looking at my kids, and um, well, my, uh, yeah, and I just looked, looked how much changed for them in a year. Like, so much would change, they'd grow so much. And I'd compare their growth to my growth, and I was like, the year's the same amount of time for me and for them, but they are changing so much, and I'm just not changing that much, and I am not, doing the thing that I really truly want because I would almost literally get kind of almost a high when I would be doing anything you know really creative but most of my job was not that and so I just decided to start this start an agency a creative communications agency and kind of put all that business stuff was great because I can still I can have really great conversations with CEOs and 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 senior execs and co-founders and founders, and I have all that still in my background, but I lead as a creative person and I, and I, and I, and I, and I love it. And, um, so I just kind of made that decision then. And, and, uh, and it kind of keeps, you know, year after year, I keep, I keep adding, um, you know, trying to push that further and take on more, you know, challenging, more creative projects. And, and, uh, that's kind of the story.
0: Was it a challenge at all in this journey to redefine yourself? Because it sounds like you sort of made a, a sea change, so to speak, in what you really were
1: doing. I actually, the challenge was for me, it turns out, I mean, I've, we've had, I've, it turns out that people hearing the message are very receptive to it uh, and, and don't, like, they kind of forget how you used to describe yourself. Right. Uh, uh, so, um and of course, you know, you, I found that I was constantly meeting new people who never knew my role before. So it, it all and, and it's not like the roles are that different. It's just that the emphasis is different. So, no, I, I actually did not find it to be that difficult <laughs> once I had decided, you know, that's that. And, and uh, there have been many parts in the journey, that different aspects, too, that we could talk about if, if you like that, where the biggest the hardest part was. Realizing and deciding internally for me, and then the rest was kind of easy. Why was that so difficult? I mean, it, I think I think in the, if I look back in the history of our company, the, the the there were in each stage there were difficult things that were became easier and easier over time. Um, I think the first one was the one I just described, which was actually really not that hard. I think um, I'd already, uh, that was not the hardest, but it might've been the most important. I think the next really hard thing for me though, was believing that it was okay to charge money for the service. Mm -hmm. Um, Not exactly, like not so much what the amount was, that's always a challenge, but that's, you know, always trying to figure out what the market is and et cetera, but but just believing in the very beginning, you know, years ago that it was even okay to charge for this service was a challenge because I didn't come from a professional services background, I came from being the client. And so I'd always, I guess, been buying, not selling and uh, these services. And so just to tell myself it was okay to charge and it was okay to charge and then realizing like what a fair price is and, and going through all that and then you know later on learning about you know really articulating up front what what something what a project entails so then if it if it if things change a lot you can always go back and 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 discuss discuss a change in scope and like those things you know it started but it those all became kind of sort of relatively easy things to learn over time with experience but it all started with that big Internal decision of it's okay to charge money. It's okay. There's value here. Um, and then the next big one has, has had to do with delegation. Um, you know, we started out really small and I it was just me in the beginning in a little shed in our back garden. And I did every single thing. And uh, um, this is before I got the KW, before I got my, uh, <laughs> Kristen agreed to become my business partner as well as my life partner. And, um, and, you know, I started out delegating things that I didn't know how to do, like, you know, some kind of web coding or video editing and 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 that's fine. That was like the, the easy thing to learn how to delegate. But then it became, you know, how to delegate the things that I'm actually really good at. But it doesn't necessarily make sense for me to do, because either we don't have time or it's it's not the highest, you know, you know, highest, best use of my time. In any given week or month or year, so that's and that's that's and we're we're still on that journey. We're still like we're now getting better at delegating like really complex like please solve this complex situation versus we've solved we've solved it for you now please do these steps. Um, And now I think that's we're you know we're we're growing small org of around twelve people and and uh, so we're still solving for that. You know delegating the really complex issues
0: and it can be painful delegating things you like to do but maybe that you
1: shouldn't be doing anymore yeah that's hard it's like there's a little grieving involved but uh you know i've i've figured a lot of that out like i've i've actually in many on many days it goes really perfectly uh Where I think it kind of, where we still are can be a lot better is when we take on, we tend to take on, we have a lot of things that we do that we've done a million times before. And those are pretty easy now. Like those are quite easy to delegate just because we've, we have a a system, but we always tend to take on things that we've not exactly done that before. And so that's where the, like, that's where I sometimes end up, you know, because I don't know, I think it's sort of a myth that you have this, for me at least it's a myth, that you kind of come up with this overarching strategy and then you delegate all the all the little details. I think you often figure out the strategy, at least we figure out the strategy by figuring out some of the details. Ooh. So that means there's like, there's kind of a lack of delegation in the, in the early stages. And it's like, well, Damn, like why did I just spend those three hours like doing that? But it's all part of figuring it all out. And then we usually work it out after a few weeks and then it all gets delegated appropriately and it's really cool. And what's becoming nice, what I'm really enjoying, like we're actually working on something really complex at the moment. And we just have a daily call or either four or five people on the call, and and we're all, you know, we're all kind of sort of co-managing, co-leading different parts. And it feels and every, you know, three people are actually on the East Coast. So I'm on the West Coast. And sometimes there's someone in, you know, in either the Middle East or or Europe who's with our client or a partner and it's just or South Africa. And it's it's just fun, actually. So that part of figuring all out when we're doing it as a team and we're all on video together. I I really like that. It sounds fascinating.
0: Now, let me ask you about storytelling because I had a chance to look at some of your work and it seems like storytelling is a big part of it. When you're putting together branding, story is central. So can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I. Yeah. And if you Google storytelling on the Web or corporate storytelling on the Web, you know, you'll find a lot of stuff, you'll find a lot of formulas also like you know you, you'll you'll talk, you'll see people saying let's bring this you know tried and true formula from the biggest Hollywood blockbusters to your corporate storytelling. I um, I kind of look at it in a different way. I think I actually believe mostly, in what I talked about earlier, it all comes down to what you're trying to say and what your audience wants to or needs to hear. And if you can really understand your audience, even if you're talking to a million people in an ad, or you're talking to 350 people because you're on a panel, or you're talking to three people because you're at dinner, or you're talking to one person alone, I always like to get people to think that they are talking to one person. Like try identify one person uh, in that group of a million or a group of 350 and as if you were there just one-on-one and try really understand them. Try really empathize with them and try tell the story for them. What little anecdote is going to resonate with them what did they care about? What what's in their world so you can kind of link your story to them? Uh, that's I think that's really, really important. So much about telling a story is about knowing who you're telling it to and understanding them and listening to them. And and obviously, you can't always listen It you sending an ad out to a million people. You can't be listening, but you can do a lot of listening beforehand. You can run rough concepts by a bunch of people and just say, hey, what do you think? You know, you'll hear a lot back. And you, of course, have to ultimately decide what you're going to do yourself. But um, but it's really, really important to listen. Uh, and I think listening is way more important than telling. Do you find that it is a struggle
0: for companies and maybe even individuals to differentiate themselves uh, and that there's a tendency to sort of want to be blended in a little bit more homogenous, or do people generally want to clearly define themselves as separate from their competition?
1: I think people want to because they, you know, they've heard to, to differentiate, and, and it, it sounds great in theory, but, but very few companies really do it. We, we talk a lot about creative risk in our, in our work, in our world. And I, this is less, you know, you don't see this so much with large companies, but when you, when you look at startups and you look at investors in startups like venture capitalists, typically, they, they actually have, you know, like they have like 30 words for risk. They've got all kinds of risk, like product risk, uh, pricing risk, team risk, technical risk. They, they really, really kind of, try to they 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 live in a world of risk and so they they try to isolate different types of risk and be able to discuss different types of risk you don't really hear people talking about creative risk because a lot of people are actually afraid like we're trained socially to blend in and uh and so people are i mean i've been i've been asked a bunch of times like will this make us look dumb You don't. obviously you don't want to look dumb. Obviously you want to try out different variants of things, but you really do want to stand out and you want to stand out in a way that's going to matter to your audience. And that does involve standing out always involves taking some degree of risk and being different. And so we really try to help people with that. And we we tend to usually go into these things, by showing people a spectrum, like, okay, here's a, here's a spectrum of, of ways to stand out. One, you're not standing out at all. You've got three competitors and everyone basically sounds the same, talks the same, looks the same. Let's add a fourth one, you, and you really can't tell, uh, sorry, I'm beeping now. You really can't, tell, turn that off, anyone apart. And then on, on the other end of the spectrum, you are so out there that it's probably, you're probably, depending on your, who you are culturally as a company, who the leadership is, what the industry is like, it may be, it probably, even we would think it's too far out there, but we like to show people the spectrum. And then that usually helps because then somewhere in the middle, hopefully, you know, you know if you've got zero differentiation on one end and ultra, ultra, ultra differentiation on the other end, um, somewhere in the middle is actually really good, and it's it's quite differentiated enough. And uh, so, we find that as a as a communications tool for with our clients, that kind of spectrum of thinking and showing them different examples along the spectrum can be really helpful. And it's also a way for kind of testing out. You know, does this make sense or not make sense? And you can show that to different members of the audience and and get a read. Uh, but uh, it is a challenge for people and it's a very solvable challenge. Um, and I, I would also say that, you know, there are layers of differentiation. So obviously you want to have a differentiated product. That's the ideal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not really our thing. We don't know how medicines work or how you know, brakes on cars work or how cars work or how buildings work. Like we have to rely, hopefully, on a, you know, our clients know, right. They know how to make a product that is, you know, that someone needs and they can't get anywhere else. But you often but in that case, still, you still need to find a way to describe that differentiation in a way that's going to resonate. And often you, often you do end up with companies where it's, I mean, the reality is they're not that differentiated. Everyone, you know, everyone can do, there are 10 companies that offer X. So you want to differentiate from a, with a personality, with a, with a culture to go back to what you do. And, and, and that is where I think we can really help. And that's where this question of like, how, how strong, how out there is your personality? Um, how, how much does it blend in? How much does it stand out? Where does it blend in? Where does it stand out? And how does that, how does that manifest in terms of visuals and language and, and creativity?
0: I know that a lot of our listeners are really going to take that and run with it. We have a large number of entrepreneurial listeners. We also have many listeners who are embedded in the corporate world somewhere. So they're working for other companies, but they're trying to become better leaders. They're trying to differentiate themselves. How can they take sort of what we're talking about and apply it to personal branding? Is there an easy way to do that? I don't think
1: any of it is easy until you decide. So I think I think the hard part is really trying to own what, what makes you special. Um, and often it's you're greatest insecurity like one example is some you know some guy said to me just a friend said you know like i'm i'm an older engineer and i'm aging out you know all the all these companies want to hire like really young engineers and i and i'm like well you can run away from that or you can just own it maybe you should start a blog called like gray-haired coder you know (laughs) right just own it and talk and then find all the things that are and obviously you want to you can't just be dumb about it. Like you need to realize why people want, you, you know, new coders right out of school. Like there are things that they're learning and they have certain energies and stuff. So adopt all that, but then wrap that in kind of a personal brand that has to, that also brings in your experience and what you've learned and what you know, and that, you know, the things you've up and have learned how to fix and like, there's a, and build a, build a brand around that. So. I really do think it comes down to trying to find something that you are great at, or you're special in, or special about, and, and not being afraid. Like, you can't ignore the world you live in, you can't ignore the culture around you, but you can be you in it, you can do you in it. I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen? What's the downside risk? I mean, the, the downside risk of not Building a personal brand is you just end up blending in and and kind of nothing really happens with your career uh you know the the down there there may be another you could get it wrong you could end up getting fired but <laughs> you're it's i really think it's unlikely to happen if you do it in a smart way if you kind of If you talk about it with people, like the same way we test out an ad that's going before it goes to a million people, we try it out. We show mock-ups to people. We get feedback, like have a conversation with people around you, friends, colleagues, bosses, former bosses, mentors, bosses, 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 you know, uh, other people at other companies, just about how you might craft your, your personal brand. And then, and then act on it. Maybe it is starting a blog. Maybe it is tweeting from your perspective. Maybe it's writing an ebook. It, it, it could be really anything, uh, but it, it, it's not just about getting attention for yourself. It's about getting attention for yourself in the way that's in a way that's going to project this kind of vision that you have crafted for yourself. The hard part is figuring out what what you want that to be. Uh, the easy part then is kind of finding ways to live that going forward. That's brilliant. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah.
0: So how can people find you online and interact with you?
1: We have a website. It's the, the short one for lazy typists like me is just bkw.io. All right. uh, and uh, uh, and and we we're there. We actually have uh, a nice, I think <laughs> a nice little newsletter that goes out most weeks. We call it YouTube Tuesday. And uh, we look at not it started out. We only looked at YouTube videos, but we started we now kind of look at any kind of mostly digital, but any kind of, kind of, kind of communications and branding that we either think is amazing or we think is incredibly cringe-worthy. And we usually write like a short, it's really short and sweet, like just maybe a few sentences and then we include what we wrote about. Like this week, there are a couple new ones that will go out. One is uh, on Memorial Day, uh, Budweiser had these really, be- I thought, really beautiful uh, pre-roll ads. You know, pre-roll ads are those ads on YouTube when you're about to watch a video and an ad comes before and almost you know, 99% of the time, you just want to, you can't wait till you're allowed to click skip ad. Very occasionally, there's an ad that you'll actually keep watching because it's actually done a really good job and and very, very, very occasionally it kind of sticks in your mind afterwards. And on Memorial Day, there was one where Budweiser just, there was just a scene of a flag flying at a cemetery, a military cemetery. And it just said, we ask you to join us in a moment of silence. And it wasn't, actually a moment of silence. Like you could hear like birds chirping at the cemetery and you could hear the wind blowing a little bit. And it was just, it was just really beautiful. And I, I learned later because I researched it, that they actually at all their plants in the U.S. They actually stopped the line for a minute on every plant at the same time on Memorial Day and had a moment of silence there too. And like, that's the, that was like one thing that we thought was really beautiful. And that's something we wrote about and sent out
0: We're getting towards the end. I'll ask you, what does the future hold for Brock?
1: I don't know. (laughs) Um, uh, I hope hopefully the company continues to grow, um, but also uh, also not just. I don't so much mean in terms of money. That would be nice, but but I mean in terms of just the kind of things we get to work on, the kind of people we get to work with. Uh, we just, we happen to have a, a mix of clients that are just like doing incredibly cool things for the world and it's just been, it's such an education to work with them and learn from them and and not even so much learn from them, like learn from the people that they serve. You know, we get to, we get to talk to their customers a lot and I just hope for more of that, you know? I hope for more, just good people in the mix. That's 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 my hope. Very grateful for the amazing people in the mix, and I hope for more of it. I'm grateful,
0: and I'm sure our audience is grateful that you took a few minutes to be with us today and share your message. So thank you very much for taking the time.
1: Thank you very much.
0: And that was Barack Kassar, everyone. Really enjoyed talking to Barack and got a lot out of it. I'm gonna take away his thoughts, especially on uh, creative risk and differentiation and how you can sort of separate yourself from the pack. And also uh, the one person mindset, thinking about that one person, I think is really valuable because it's so easy to get overwhelmed when we're thinking about putting a product out there for people or putting services out there for people or even public speaking. I know that's a big one. people still tell me I'm terrified to go to speak to all those people, but they're okay to speak to one person. So having that one person mindset, I think is a really powerful tool. And I loved speaking to Barack. and I loved this part too, when he said, you can't ignore the culture around you, but you can be you in it. And I just thought that was really valuable advice. So hope you got something from it. Thank you for taking the time. If you could take a moment to interact with the podcast wherever you found us, that would be really appreciated. I'm grateful for whatever you can do. Other than that, go out, have a great day, lead with impact, and I will talk to you next time.